0: welcome to the driving your marketing podcast where small business entrepreneurs come discover the strategies systems and tools to kick their marketing into high gear if you want to go from surviving small business owner to thriving entrepreneur you're in the right place let's get ready to roll All right. Welcome, everybody. This is Eli Delaney, the creator of the Driving Your Marketing Podcast, and we are here with another episode. The whole point of what we do here is to bring on cool people that I meet in the world to talk about marketing stuff because I'm a big fan of marketing. Everybody knows that I love marketing. The problem is that there's so many people out there that just don't love marketing, and it's because it can be scary. It can be complicated. It can be overwhelming sometimes. And the whole point of this show is to bring in cool people that are doing awesome things to show you that it doesn't have to be scary, complicated, or overwhelming. It's the stuff that you can get out there and do on your own. And today I've got Deborah Palakis. Um Sorry. That's OK. And today I've got Deborah Pokalis. Pokalis. Yes. Today I've. Let's do it one more time. OK. I'm having one of those days too. <laughs> And today I've got Deborah Pakalis, she's the CEO of showroom international and the bell a spirit showroom works with emerging and independent designers around the world to promote market and sell their collections. And here's the thing with this is that I really had a great conversation with Deborah not too long ago and she is in the fashion industry and I'll tell you what the fashion industry is one of the most competitive industries out there. And what she's doing is she is teaching other designers how to think outside of the box and get more experience exposure for their collections, for the things that they're getting out there. And I'll tell you what, the same principles that she's using apply to every type of industry, every type of business that's out there. So, Deborah, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Great. Thanks for having me.
0: So let's start off. You, Where did you get into the world of, of fashion and industry and become a marketer in everything that you're doing now?
1: Um, despair. <laughs>
0: We love those.
1: I started out originally I started out as a costume designer for Off-Broadway Productions and then I sort of fell into I found some great fabric for one of the productions and I thought, "Oh, this could make a neat collection." And I started making a collection. And um just as you said, the fashion industry is so unbelievably competitive. I made Great collections. I went to trade shows. I sat there for three days. Everybody came by, saw the collection, thought, oh, my goodness, this is wonderful. Nobody bought the collection. And so on one of my many frustrated trips, because, you know, trade shows are not cheap, I came home almost in tears on the train. I said, there's got to be a better way of doing things. And this is back in 2001 when the Internet was really just starting to explode And I actually took an idea from a showroom, a physical New York showroom I was in at the time, and she had talked about putting things online. And at that time, in in 2000 and before 2000, you know, you looked at somebody like they were crazy. What you mean? Have a showroom online? But then after this episode, I said, you know what? That's not a bad idea. And she had already gone out of the business, so I said, I'm going to go with it. So I started it up, and it took a long time to get people to understand the concept. But the thing that I wanted to accomplish was an easier way for people to get their message out, It's particularly for small designers, because in any business, you have that one meeting face-to-face with someone. You walk away from the meeting. If they don't immediately capture what it is that you're doing and want to buy from you, whether it's products or services, you are generally more, more than likely forgotten until you pick up the phone and make that contact again. And particularly in the fashion industry, people are, you know, stores are just inundated with collections and lookbooks. And, you know, there's only so many ways you can make a t shirt. So, how do you stand out? And that's one of the things that I really worked on in this business, is because even having a showroom online, I have to be able to present these collections in a different way that makes people pay attention. So the fashion industry really is a grindingly hard industry, but you learn so much on how to be different, and it's it's very helpful, and I've actually reached out to other businesses and have been approached by other completely unrelated businesses on how, how do I market myself. So All it's right, been very helpful so cool. to everybody.
0: Yeah, and that is so cool because, I mean, it, the story that you're telling right now, this is what really attracted me to to your story and what, what you got to share with our audience is the fact that, you know, I, it amazes me how many times I hear people say, well, my business is different. And right. guess what? All of our businesses are the same in the fact that we have a product or a service that we're providing to offer a solution for somebody else. And exactly. we run into the same problems no matter what the industry is. And you're, I mean, the fashion industry, I know, is it's insanely competitive. It's not any yeah. less competitive than any other business that's out there. And what you did was you turn around and figured out a way to think outside the box and actually go, okay, here's a better way that we can do this. It's more efficiently working mm-hmm. for us.
1: Exactly. And, you know, I'm still on a learning curve because, you know, the the marketplace changes so rapidly that you constantly have to be open to new ideas. And this goes for anybody. You have to constantly be looking at what you're doing and what it accomplished for you, if anything. Because honestly, sometimes you do things and they don't get you any results. And be able to spin around and change directions on an instant and be able to come up with something else you can do. And just have that mindset of can always being open to whatever opportunity comes your way as how could I, you know, a relationship with a completely different business, how could I possibly make this into a marketing opportunity for me? And nine times out of 10, you will come up with something that you can do that you never would have thought of if you sat and plotted along in the traditional modes of marketing your business.
0: Right. And I and I love that you, you know, here's something that's really cool is that a lot of times we, we look at our own business and I like to call it marketing incest, meaning that we look at our own industry and do this exact same thing everybody else is doing. And I exactly. know when you, when you and I talked the other day, you were actually talking about the fact that you look at how can we do things totally different because your industry, like so many others, have been doing the same thing the same way over and over again and mm-hmm. expecting different results, which we all know is the definition of insanity. Yes. <laughs> and so you started to changing the way you were looking at marketing from from a designer standpoint and right. what were some of the things that you actually started doing differently? I know you started with the website and actually did an online showroom. Right. What were some Which of the was, other things you were doing?
1: That, that was one of the things that was unique and that uniqueness wore off very quickly because all of a sudden there were 20 other pl- you know, companies starting up to do this. The thing that I did differently just in that aspect of having an online showroom was uh, what I noticed was the competing businesses just wanted to have designers pay a fee and have their stuff slapped up on the website. That does not work. A website just does not do it a hundred percent. What I had to do was figure out how I can have the website be almost, even though that was the crux of my business, almost be secondary in my business. Because the, the thing that the thing about fashion and the thing about lifestyle products particularly is that you are not selling necessarily a product that's revolutionary. You are selling a product that offers somebody a different lifestyle, a different look, a different way of of presenting themselves to the world. You know, there are, and you have to recognize the fact that there are so many other products out there like that. So you still have to build that one-on-one connect with the consumer and websites allow you, you know, Amazon does a tremendous business because they have, um, they operate on the, you can find whatever you want here, where you can find it cheaper here, and people go to that. But that's, that is pretty much the purpose of websites, is to give people a place to go to see something and to find it. But they're not going to connect with that product necessarily through a website. So. What I've done that was different from any other of the online, you know, promote your collection services is I paired, partnered with live events and have continuously come up with different ways of doing live events so that the designers actually get their collections in front of human people. And there is a personal connection, whether it's me presenting the collection on their behalf or they come to the event. And present it themselves, and that is where that where it made the hugest difference is the fact that when you have a relationship with your customer, however you can create that relationship, you will connect and you will be able to sell your product better, and particularly if you are in a crowded industry.
0: Right, and that is so awesome because I mean it is relationship marketing, and it, mm-hmm. you know the internet. I'm a I'm an internet guy. I mean my previous company was web and graphic design company. I started that over 18 years ago, and that's I, I'm a web guy, but right. I do know that that people don't just buy stuff because they see it on a website. They buy it because they have a relationship. They like the product. It solves a, a problem that they have. And more so, and this happens whether it's online or offline. It's because they have a, a connection with the owner or whoever the the avatar for the company is. I mean, most, right. even 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 the you know Geico. People buy Geico insurance not because they they love the people or the company. It's because they like the little gecko guy.
1: Yeah, you know? exactly, and exactly. It, or they like flow. Whoever, right? Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> and, and that is that is what happens. It's a relationship, and you mm-hmm. said something really, really critical. I think so many people need to go back to remembering is the fact that businesses are, you know, people buy from people, not businesses not companies. And that is the key. And so many people are looking at the internet as I can just put up a website and put a buy button at the bottom of the page and people are going to come flocking to me. And it just doesn't work that way. And And you've got a great way of making that combination of using the website as a tool. And it's, you know, I like to use your website as a hub, but you still have to have the other connections. I mean, I, I meet somebody face to face, have a great conversation with them and give them my card so they can go check out the website.
1: Exactly. Now, and I don't diminish the value of a website. Every single person who is in business should have some kind of a web presence and have a place where people can go to find information. First of all, because then people can do that. When people feel like they can do it on their own time and they're not being forced to listen to your sales pitch, that makes them more comfortable with being able to um, connect with you. Um, because people are just inundated with, with information now and to be able to have the, the, um, the, the freedom to search on their own time. One of the, the things that I tell buyers is, you know what, with our website and our showroom, you can pour yourself a martini and sit in your bathtub if you want to take a chance and go online and, and look at designers. You can do that anytime you want. You do not have to run around like a like a deer with headlights and and run into booths at a, a three thousand plus exhibitor trade show. So that's one of the selling points for the website. Um, as far as the designers themselves, I have to make a connection to these people. And when I I deal mostly with startup businesses and emerging designers who really don't understand the business side of fashion. They understand how to make clothes and they make fabulous clothes, but when it comes to the business side, they're kind of lost. So it really, I mean, one of the most critical things for any business is to make sure that you you understand your message, your basic message. For whatever business is out there, there's a reason why you decided you were going to start your own business as opposed to going and getting a job with somebody else who does exactly the same thing. Either you like your designs better or you know a way, you've, you've worked in that industry and you know how to do it that much better that your customers will be that much more happy. Whatever the reason is why you decided to go out on your own, that's your story, and that is that is a, a very important component of your marketing plan because a lot of people just forget about that. You know, even if you're just disgusted with the way corporate the corporate world works and you want to do your own business because you want to be different, well that's a selling point, that's a marketing point for your business and you should never underestimate that. And from there you build the message about your company, what your product is and why you're different, because you don't do things in the traditional way. You really listen to your customers, because you were frustrated that other people don't. And then from there, you the website, the business cards, all of the stuff that you send out has that consistent uh, branding, and not just the logo, but the way that you present yourself conveys that message across. And when you have those basic materials in place, it makes it much easier for somebody like me to come along and say, okay, I get what you're doing. Let me figure out how to get this message out into the marketplace. All
0: right. And I love that. And one of the things that you just said that I think is so, so critical for people to understand is that your branding is not just a logo. It's not just a color. You know, I, I have my definition of branding is pick a font, pick a color and stick with it. your branding is above and beyond that it's everything else you do it's the image it's how you dress it's how you show up how you smile everything that is involved with that and i think in your industry and, and for most of our industries out there that is so so critical because it doesn't matter how great of a logo you have or great how pretty of a website you have if you're inconsistent with the rest of your brand, it there ends up being a disconnect there. And I think so many entrepreneurs uh, miss that, especially people that are just starting out. They they think that they can do it all themselves. And there's a lot you can do on your own, but they end up becoming a very kind of a mishmash of right. messages.
1: And the and the the beauty of marketing and branding is the simpler you keep it, the more streamlined you are, the more effective it is. So you don't have to come up with this grandiose branding concept for your business. You can keep it very simple, very basic, and it can be simply about how, who you are and why you're doing what you're doing, which is something that you innately and completely understand, so you can communicate that very well. A lot of people think that, oh my god, I've got to go out and hire a branding consultant and get all this, you know, all this noise for my, for my company and you can be very effective with the simplest most direct message because again there's so much information out there when you keep things things succinct and simple so that people can in one sentence you know just like those elevator speeches they talk about one sentence you can convey the complete concept of your business that is more apt to stick with somebody than this whole you know neon signs and and flashing lights and everything else you can come up with to put yourself out there.
0: Right now. And I love it so much. And and that is, it is so critical because you know, so many people worry about the big things and the budgets of the, of all the extra advertising and stuff. Let's, let's get down to some of the starting things. If somebody is just a startup business right now, what are some of the startup things they should do for marketing just to get going?
1: Well, once they have a, a branding, out there, and don't underestimate. Test your, test your logos, test your, um, your your slogans, your taglines, whatever it is. Test it on people who don't know you, and see what their concept of that is. And really, before you put yourself out there um, with this, this whole package, make sure that what you're putting out expresses, you know, the the, the message that you want to have. Um, so once you have that together and you have you know your your logo your your color your font everything then you build the, the tools that you need to promote your business your website your business cards your letterhead whatever else that you do brochures and you build that based on that basic um, concept then when you have those tools and you're ready to go out and do marketing <clears throat> depending upon the kind of business it's Networking is absolutely important, particularly if you're a service-oriented business. Um, I'm, I can speak from the perspective of fashion, so I can toss out ideas. One of the things that frustrates me about fashion is that it is so entrenched in sloggingly traditional slow methods of marketing your collection because the retailers do things in a the very, very same way. And so everybody feels compelled to, okay, I pick up the phone, I, t- I try to get a hold of a buyer, I send the lookbook by email, I follow up with another email, I follow up with you know another phone call, and you make little charts and flow charts of how many times you you try to to um, market your collection to a store. Um, and And eventually, maybe you get the right store. One of the things I tell designers is When you're first starting out, you have to go out and actually meet your customer. And I think that works for businesses across the board. Don't just say, oh, I know who my customer is. It's 25 to 45, whatever. No, get your tail out the door without your collection, without any hope of, you know, without any promise of selling, and go to the stores that you think would sell your collection to the customer you have. And go to those stores and see what else is on their shelves, what else they sell. And if there is a good fit in terms of price, in terms of look, in terms of customer, then you go approach the store to sell it. It's the same thing with any other business. You really have to almost personally know your customer by name so that you you know that when you go and a, approach that person, they're not going to blow you off and say, oh, God, please do not come near me again, you know, and if they see you on a bus, they get up and move because they're afraid you're going to try and sell them something that they have no interest in whatsoever. Um, and then as the, and with the, the stores aspect of it, if you're wholesaling, I tell designers, start out in your immediate area, in, among the people, the community you know, because that's where your idea started. Whatever community you're part of, that's what inspired the the original idea for your business. So those are the people you start out with, because those are the people that you have some kind of connection to, even if you don't personally know them, they're part of the inspiration for your business. So you are more apt to be able to get and put across your business to someone in your town who's dealing with the same problem and knows the immediate environment as opposed to saying, oh, I'm going to go hit L.A. and start marketing out there. And then when you have established a network within your own area, then you you have a better idea of a more generic customer, a more um, broader definition of your customer that would enable you to expand to another, even just a further out market than where you are immediately. And this works, I found that this works very, very well for the fashion designers. When they go to the stores in their immediate town, just down the street, <clears throat> first of all, they're, they're neighbors. And a lot of times when you connect with a neighbor or business owner, they say, hey, you know what? You're a neighbor of mine. Let me, give you a, let me give you a hand up. Let me try you out. As opposed to going, picking up and just flying to Chicago when you're in, in Dallas and walking into boutiques there and saying, hey, you know, I'm a new designer or I'm a new business. So that's what I would say immediately for for people starting out to do, to approach that. And again, make your message personal, especially in your own community. Relate to, make your message relate to the community that you are talking to and you will be more apt to have a receptive audience.
0: Right, and I I love the way you just put that, and that and that brings up to. I had a great conversation with somebody a few months back that's in the startup world, and he's waiting for a big deal. He's got a potential big contract with a huge company that could could turn around and sell hundreds of thousands of his of his product very, very easily. And he but he's sitting there holding his breath waiting for this one deal to come through. And, uh-huh. you know, it amazes me how many people will do that. that they're, they're looking for that that one, the one hit wonder type situation, as opposed to just getting out there and saying, Okay, can I get one customer? Now can right. I take that and turn that one customer into two customers? Well what they're looking for is they're waiting for the 100,000 customers. Mm-hmm. And I think there are so many people that end up falling short and holding themselves back because of that exact situation. They're waiting for that one hit to come through instead of just getting, you know, getting off their butt and getting out there and actually finding somebody to buy their stuff. You know, right. just one. <laughs>
1: You have no idea. Every single designer who comes to me, the first thing they ask me is, can you get me into, and you fill in the blank with Macy's, Nordstrom, Neiman Marcus, you know, they go through all the major, you know, the major chains. And I have contacts there, but I know how those businesses work. When you're dealing with a huge, huge corporation and, oh, they're going to make my business. First of all, yeah, they can make your business. But just in one one stroke of the pen, they can make your business. In another stroke of the pen, they can ruin your business. If they pull out of, of whatever deal you're doing and you have no other customer base, you're done business-wise. So selling to a big company, yeah, that's great. Work on it. But when you go to people and develop those relationships with the smaller businesses or even, even a big business, but you can develop a personal relationship where you are working one on one not just waiting for this nameless faceless corporation to write an order you are developing number 1 your own market research because you've got a personal relationship with your customers who can tell you yes or no instantly whether or not one of your products is going to work then and what they buy will show you what the market wants and and smaller businesses will show you, give you a better idea of what each individual market wants you know people people look at stores like Walmart and Target, the beauty of small businesses is that they can fill the needs of their immediate community. Target, Walmart, they fill their stores with merchandise based on demographic studies, huge market research. They do not meet the immediate personal needs of each individual customer. And for small businesses to survive you need a broad base of those kinds of customers that are loyal to you, that know that you have their personal interests at heart when you are doing your business, and yeah, it would be great to do a million-dollar deal with a major outlet, but your bread and butter as a small business particularly is going to be those, those deals that you do with the people you know and have an ongoing connection and relationship with.
0: Right. And I and that brings me up to you know today's world. It's about the it's about creating raving fans. And I mm-hmm. think there's that that's something that gets missed quite a bit. We want to we want to create raving fans, but people people kind of expect that you just get a big deal and that'll just solve the problem mm-hmm. itself. It starts with, you know, how are you going to get those local people to start talking to you and buying your products and talking about your products, and then that starts growing to the next person. And maybe somebody starts, you know, we'll use the fashion industry. Somebody actually buys one of your outfits, and they happen to be a news anchor. You know, that takes it to the next level. And it's one piece at a time. It is not looking for. That that magic bullet, because we both know that the magic bullet doesn't exist in today's world. No,
1: your overnight success happens after you've been slaving away at it for fifteen years. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But All one right. of the well, Go one ahead. of the things that I tell designers is that you know you can have a personal relationship even on uh, through the internet. I mean, the internet gives you tremendous opportunities to develop a personal relationship. But the, the important thing to remember is that whatever you put out there, it has to be very personal. It has to be your story. It has to be how, what, what is personal to you so that it becomes personal to somebody else. And then you get people, and it doesn't necessarily have to be constantly about your fashion. It can be about you. You can write about, you know, if you're a fashion designer I t- and, and they like to cook, I said, well, why don't you have a, When you have a, on your blog, your fashion blog, write about recipes you like. You're going to create an, an audience that comes to you for your recipes or how to make whatever it is that you cook, but then they're going to be hooked. Or they can also become hooked on your fashion. So it's a looking at a lot of different avenues, a lot of different interests. Um, and, and looking at the interests of the people who like your clothes and getting connected to those networks that have to do with something that's not even related to fashion but draws the people that you know like your clothes and, and really take an interest in what interests them.
0: Right. And I love that because it's that is such a great way to put it. You know, you can get you can build an audience of raving fans and create your tribe, as as Seth Godin put it, without it actually having to be about your product necessarily. But it's going to turn around and result in more sales of your product. I've got, you know, one share one story that I love to share is I know this guy that he's an insurance guy, and his whole thing. I mean, he he works for he's an independent for one of the regular insurance guys that you or insurance companies you know out there. But he is actually known as the movie guy. He's actually he puts together these you know when people go and basically rent out an entire theater as a group for an opening opening of a movie and that's Mm -hmm. he he puts these things on and he promotes them out there and gets movie lovers all together and of course he's the guy that that put it all together and people love him for that And, and and then the question comes up oh by the way what do you do well this is what I do I sell insurance and he goes into his basic you know basic spiel and he gets a ton of business because of it. And sure. It had nothing to do with the business. He got all those people together and he built that fan base based mm-hmm. around something else that he loved. That was part of his story. What he shared out, and then it seeped over into his business, which made him very successful because of it.
1: Absolutely, and I know designers. You know, a lot of designers uh, hook themselves up with charitable causes because they think that because they think it will help them do business. But when you, for businesses, it's a good way to go, but you have to be really invested in what it is that you're doing. You don't just look at, okay, what can I get interested in so that I can turn that around and sell my collection? It should be something that you really want to be involved in, uh, whether it's an organization or a cause or something that you're supporting, because avenues will open up, um, you know, There are uh, women business owners and women fashion designers who just get involved in women business organizations because they really want to help promote women's own businesses. And because of that, because of their involvement and their passion for helping other women start their own businesses, not only do they get those women as customers for their collection, but those women have also kind of given the fashion designer the idea is for a collection to be able to design clothes that these women who don't have time to shop, don't have time to, to really, you know, spend the celebrity hours on getting made up and to be able to to, to create a collection that works for them. So, it's, you know, you can, it's not only a matter of you finding your customer, but it's also helping you refine your product so that it, it um, meets the needs of the customers who come to you. So it's kind of a, 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 a symbiotic relationship when you, when you do things like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and you said something really important is that, that a lot of people are getting into um, charities and causes because they look at it as a, a way to sell their stuff. And indefinitely, there, there's nothing wrong with being part of something and knowing that you will get that result. But you said something really important is the fact that you've got to be part of a cause that you actually care about. Right, And that is something I think actually – it's a personal pet peeve of mine actually because I know a lot of people that that's what they do. Is say, hey, this is a great cause and we're going to get all this exposure behind it. Well, okay, is it because you want to be part of the cause or is it because you're just thinking that you can get more eyeballs on your product?
1: Right. that
0: and Yeah, if you do that, it's for the wrong reasons and it's it's always going to backfire on you.
1: And what it comes down to, the basic fundamental concept behind that is – you need to build trust in your business. No matter what it is that you do, you need to. Your customers need to know that they can trust that. Number one, you're not just trying to sell them something, because then they don't have trust in the product. If all you're trying to do is, is sell them your product, people start to think, "Oh, well, you know, there must be something with this that's not quite right," because all they're trying to do is push it on me. So you want to be able to um, have a personal investment in what you do as a business, but also in how you want to present it to the customers, and it's not necessarily just coming out and speaking about the wonderful features of your product. It's about really um, putting your product in situations that you believe in. And the, on the flip side of that, too, one of the cautions that I have is, you know, a lot of people, uh, particularly designers, everybody in their and their sister wants to have a fashion show for a benefit. And at some point, you have to step back and be a, not necessarily cynical, but look at, um, yes, you want to help out a cause, and yes, you believe in this, this um, you know uh, charity, but at the same time, you can't have it take away from the business message you're putting out there. So when you do go, you, for example, if you're approached by a charity to do a fashion show um, and you want to do that, think about, too, how you are presenting your company and make sure that even when you're doing something out of the goodness of your heart, you are not diluting your message or presenting a message that is not consistent with what you want your brand to be about. And when I've done things like that for the designers, I've been, you know, it's hard because everybody comes to you and they want you to work with them because they really need the help. But at the same time, I have to say to some people, look, you know, um, I, I would love to help you and perhaps we can come up with some other way to do it, but I can't really put the designers in a fashion show for your particular uh, market, the people that you are marketing your charity to because it doesn't fit with their their branding and their image. However, we can possibly do such and such, something else, maybe have them donate a product for an, a silent auction or something. So that's something else that you have to keep in mind when you're marketing. Everybody comes to you and says, oh, hey, why don't you partner with me for an event? Or, but you have to look at the opportunities from the perspective of, okay, how can I make this work, not necessarily in a cynical sense, but in a very realistic sense, how do I make this work to present my company the way I want it presented? Just getting your name out there and, and all over the place, is not necessarily a good thing
0: right well and I've and I've been in that situation before too where I've seen people that have come to me and and even to some of my clients have been saying hey we've got this great charity we'd love it if you would help you know sponsor it or volunteer and you know all the different options that are out there to be part of of that particular thing and and I look at it and I'm like okay number one this isn't necessarily I mean it may be a good cause and there's nothing wrong with that but it's not necessarily a cause that I am passionate about to begin with but then also the second thing at the same time is the fact that But you got to actually stop and look, is my audience actually there as well?
1: Right. You know, if you're
0: passionate about it and you want to volunteer, then that's fine. Or if you want to donate something, then that's perfectly fine. But you don't want to do it just because it's a good cause. You want to do it because you know that it's going to be a good fit as a whole. And that's where I think a lot of people go wrong. And I've actually had people that have gotten – uh, a little upset when i wouldn't donate my time or donate a product or a service or anything to their to their cause to their you know auction or whatever and it was like well number one is that your cause is good which is fine but it's not something that that i personally want to be part of necessarily right. and there's absolutely nobody in the audience that's ever going to buy any of my stuff for any reason. It's just, it's it's going to be there. So you got to just, you know, think about those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the other things I want to ask you about is, you know, developing a marketing plan, and we talk about this every once in a while. And I'm I'm a big fan of keeping a marketing plan as super simple, stupid as possible. I've actually written them on a single, not even a full eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper before. So, what are your thoughts and ideas for any kind of small business entrepreneur, no matter what industry it is? What What are your thoughts on actually developing that marketing plan and getting going?
1: Well, the first thing is you have to look at a budget and. A- You have to have a budget. Even if it's $10 a month, you have to have take that into consideration when you're looking at your cash flow. Um, You can do things for free. There's a tremendous amount. The Internet allows you to do a huge amount of marketing for free. But you really, first of all, have to, and it's not just a money budget. Look at your time. Okay, because a lot of times I recommend to designers, you know, when when they have blogs and they they write about it. Well, that's not, it doesn't cost you anything because there are blog platforms that are free. But it it does cost you in time. So you have to sit down and figure out how much time you can devote to that. And so that, number one, you can be consistent. And number two, effective. And number three, not spend all your time on the marketing, but then you have the time for the other business side. So the social media aspect of that, it's, you know, it's tremendous. It does a lot of good. Um, email marketing, there are companies out there that streamline that process for you, so that helps, and blogging and all of that. That's a component, and a, and a lot of it's very inexpensive, and it's free. So, yes, go for that when you have a marketing plan. But, again, think about the amount of time you have to devote to it when you're thinking of a budget. If you have no money, you, your time is still money. Um, and then from there, once you know how much time you have, then you start devoting a certain, then you make a list of what you can do, what it is that you can do right now. Do not look into the future. You break it down into a step that you can do right now. I can send a tweet. Okay, great. That's, that's part of your marketing plan. And maybe you can tweet or do a blog post a few times a week. Great. That's what you can do. That's how you start building your plan. Then you have to look at what are the what are the potential results from this. Are you reaching the people you want to reach with your blogs, your Twitter, your your um, you know Facebook? Are you reaching that? And you know that's the next level. How do you make what you can do be effective? And how you can make what you're able to do right now reach the people you want it to reach? And that's the next part of this. You know, looking at how you build the 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 network of people you're going out to reach. Um, so, you, those are the components that you can that you can do right now. You have to know your market. You have to know how to reach them, and then you have to look at what you are able to do right at this moment in your business and tailor that to be able to meet the the um, reach the network that you have. And it might not be that much that you can do, but it's and it's very slow building, but it is cumulative. Once you start on something, it, it does have kind of a snowball effect. That's one of the nice things about social media is you can build the snowball with, once you get it moving, it can kind of take on its own speed.
0: Right. Well, and I think that you said something that's very, very critical in this, and I love the way you did it because so many people focus on their five-year plan and 10-year plan and uh, and these big monster things, and I'm not – I've never been someone to look at things like that. It is a matter of, okay, how can we simplify this down as dummy-proof and as as you know, non-complex as possible. I, I like to, mm-hmm. to use the phrase, take the complex and make it simple. And what you did right there was was very, very effective in the fact of what can you do right now? It doesn't matter what you can do in three months, six months, or even next month. What can you do today that will make a difference, what, that will be effective in getting your product and service in front of the right audience because so many people are focusing on those down the road thoughts and ideas and what ends up happening is a lot of times we end up getting overwhelmed or we just get, we go, oh, well, that's so far away and we end up doing nothing, which doesn't take us any closer. Or you
1: hyperventilate and, and you you know, you hyperventilate till you pass out and then you can't do anything. I I know and so many people have come to me and, and I know part of the problem too is, um, a lot of it, the other thing that I say to small business is, you know, there's a lot of services out there, marketing people out there, but not necessarily every single one of them is right for your company. There are people who are out there who are fabulous for helping major corporations fine tune and be effective at marketing. Well, they're great with big corporations. They don't know small business necessarily. So the best thing for you to do And again, you start with the community you're with because you start with the people who have a a basic understanding of your environment so that it makes it that much easier for you to say, look, this is where I'm at right now. I want to get from here to here. I want to have an idea of how long it'll take me to get there and what are the incremental steps for me to get there. When you're a small business, the tiny steps are really crucial Because you don't have, most businesses do not have the personnel and the, the, the cash flow and the resources to go to an advertiser or a marketing company and say, okay, give me a campaign, come up with a campaign, and then roll it out nationally or even roll it out regionally. You have to take baby steps, and there is nothing wrong with that. Actually, the slower you build your business, the stronger your business is going to be because you're not going to be playing catch-up. When you have that first million-dollar order come in and you immediately have to jump from, from ground level to a level of a mid-sized business, you're going to be spending more time catching up in your business to get to that level because you're not there yet with your internal resources. So when you start out slow and you feel like you're not getting anywhere, You know, look at why you don't feel like you're not getting anywhere, of course, but at the same time, don't be in a rush to get 10 steps ahead of where you are.
0: Right. That that is so good. And I, you know, I like to put that one of the phrases I like to put out there. I share this. It was something that I learned from one of my mentors, Armin Moran, and it is what's the next logical step? Right. You start where you are and what will take you that next piece. Don't be looking at the end of the end of the road. You look at what's the next brick, you right. know, just one step at a time.
1: One of the things that I've I've done and when I've done presentations is, you know, that old that the game, this, um six degrees of Kevin Bacon, mm-hmm. where you pick a star and you try and get to Kevin Bacon in six steps. Yep. I, I tell people apply this. To the way that you do business because there's no one way to get to Kevin Bacon. There are a thousand different ways to do that. So even if you make a flow chart and you have, you know, your Kevin Bacon as being your, your nirvana or whatever it is up there, then you have lines coming off of there as the next, as the first step to get there. And there might be ten first steps you can take, and then you go and you break that step down, each of those steps down into what you can do. You might have 20 things that you could do right now that could, in some way, one of them could work out to get to your Kevin Bacon. So one of the, the discouraging things is that designers, uh, or any business person will pursue this one marketing uh, plot, you know, this one marketing little little path. And it doesn't pan out. And then they're like, oh, my God, what do I do now? And you have to start all over again. And so if you work out in kind of a a more horizontal marketing plan as well, but, again, keeping in mind what you can manage at any given moment, but you have five or six things kind of percolating that you can pick up one this week and work on it a little bit, and maybe it will get you a little further or maybe it will stall so but then you have like two or three other projects that you can potentially work on and put a little bit of time into and one of them may pan out and become all of a sudden explode and then the other ones may may not go anywhere and if it's too much for you to handle then take it a step further and break it down into another few steps that you can do and so that eventually one of these paths will lead to the goal that you want when you put all your eggs in one basket to use that old cliche you can end up spending a lot of time and having absolutely no results
0: right well and i like the fact that you that you Put a lot of the, in the fact of, you know, having five or six things going at a time. And that's one of the things that I'm always sharing with people is like, don't, don't expect everything. And, you know, let's go back to, to the internet and, you know, from the web design side of things. People are spending all their time and effort on, you know, on their SEO, search engine optimization for their website. So their website becomes the first page of Google, preferably number one. And then all of a sudden, Google releases something new. They change their logarithm, which happens from time to time because they like to keep people on their toes. And all of a sudden, you went from page one to page 100, and your business stopped overnight. Right. That makes no sense. You know, how, why, would you, why would you put all of your, your thoughts, your efforts, and energy into one tactic or one strategy? You should have multiple things working all at once. And when you do that, what ends up happening is that if something changes and something doesn't work, maybe you'll lose 10% of your business instead of 100%.
1: Right, right. And just as examples of what I do, um, you know, I'm always open to new ideas. And so I go out to the designers and I, you know, I'm in a position where I have a lot of different things that I can do. I've, I work on relationships with, with um, magazines and online publications. There's so many out there that are that need content. And rather than waiting for them to come to me and saying, I want to write a story, I go to them and I say, look, you know, how about we, we talk about a regular feature? And one of the things that I did for um, one magazine is I contacted a couple of stylists and I said, look, would you guys be willing to do, do a review and make your picks of a collection? I pitched it to the magazine. They loved it. Every single month, one of my designers is profiled in the magazine. I got a, desi- a stylist who works with celebrities and a stylist who works in, you know, in the retail environment. They both weigh in on the collections. They give their opinions. They make their picks, and it's a lovely segment. And you know, that that's media for the designers. I've, I'm working on different relationships like that. So that's something that a small business can do is find an, find a hook, find a blogger, find a, a, uh, an outlet that meets content and say, look, you know I'll write about such and such. Get your name out there, your your little bio is on is on their byline page. you're out there and you're writing even if it's not about specifically what you do. So I work on that. That's one of the things I do. I, I investigate and research, fashion events around, literally around the world, and I look for ways to work with them, if not to help them promote their designers for their uh, twice-a-year events, or I say, you know what, let's work on an event where I can come there and and put on another event that adds value to your whole fashion event, things like that. Um, I also um, just started working on putting together events that bring art, you know, fine art, Uh, uh, furniture design and design elements and plus fashion to do exhibits not a sales pitch it's not a trade show it's just an exhibit that i'll I'll start doing around and what it does is it brings consumers that it can bring buyers low pressure it's just something fun for them to see but they get to know the designers names and that's something else that businesses can do do come up with something that will just that doesn't require anybody to necessarily do anything except come and see it and enjoy it and get yourself hooked up with things like that. Things that are not specifically driving we want to sell to you. When you get involved in in activities that are, um, you know, that aren't related One of my designers, this was one of the designers that I've known for a very long time, years and years ago, when the Rocky Horror Picture Show came out, and after a few years where it was really huge to have midnight showings, she started up just because it was fun making the costumes for the people who did the live Mm sing-alongs. And so she just kept doing it because it was fun. And while all of a sudden people are like, you know, wow, she's really quirky, she's really good, they started paying attention to her collection. So, you know, things like that that are off the beaten track, that's what I tell people to think about, to get, because that's what gets attention. When you do things the same old, same old way, you send a lookbook in an email to a buyer, they go, oh, another lookbook, oh, my God. And then nine times out of ten, it goes into their trash or they forget about it. But when you do something where they don't have to, they're not forced to pay attention to you, they just do because it's cool what you're doing. Then you get noticed, and then they start to ask for information about your business.
0: Right, and, that, and that's such a great way to look at it. It's about education, and I like to call that education marketing. Even if it's not necessarily education, it's just a, you're getting out there. You're building a a following of people who know, like, and trust you, and the the goal behind it is to make it so when somebody is ready to make a decision, they will come to you as opposed right. to... Come buy my stuff because when you've got that attitude behind it of the, the come buy my stuff, people people will resist it. Plain and simple, they don't want to be part of it. They, it can it frustrates them. It mm-hmm. makes them feel like you're you're being pushy. And right. if you just come with the fact of hey, we're doing this fun thing, or here's some extra you know content. I'm very big into content marketing. And mm-hmm. even for myself, I have free reports, a vid- free video series. I That's do a like video that. update every single week. We put out even this podcast. You know, it's all stuff right. to give back, give more value to the world. And mm-hmm. what's going to happen is it's going to attract the right people. And when they're ready to buy, they're going to come to me and say, well, look at all the stuff he's given me for just because. That's yeah, I want to buy from him. And that's the attitude. And it's great because mm-hmm. the, what you're doing in the fashion industry is exactly the same thing that I promote for our clients and the people that come through us. So it works in every single industry. And that's I love that so much.
1: Right. And quite frankly, you know what? You need to have fun doing it. If you are not having fun marketing and presenting your business, you are going to be so burnt out. So the more creative you can be, the more fun you can have with it, the more things you can do that you actually enjoy doing that will help your business, the more you're going to be actually invested in your business because, and the more you're going to love doing what you do. So I tell designers, don't think, you know, don't do it the traditional way because all you end up doing is you hang up the phone after you left a message for a buyer and you cry. And why would you put yourself through that over and over and over again when you could have some fun and infuse some fun into what you do? And nobody ever thinks of marketing as being having a good time.
0: Right. Except for those of us that are complete geeks and and totally dig out on on the marketing thing.
1: (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm not a geek, but I just, you know, if I had to do this every day, just constantly typing the same email to the same people, I would be stabbing myself in the eye with a pen, and I couldn't, I could not continue. But when I can sit and I can talk, pick up the phone with somebody and say, "Hey, you know what? I like your business. How about if we put together like a little fun event in 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 this in your city, and just have something fun, and and I'll bring some fashion to it." And before you know it, you've got this fun event that didn't take much for you to put together. Everybody has a great time, and the designers get presented in a completely different setting than what they normally, than where they're normally seen. And, and you enjoy yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. And that's the way that I highly recommend it, too. All right, so we're getting closer, closer to time here. I've got a couple last okay. questions for you. Uh, one of them, what, are, what do you think are the most important components of marketing and promotion? And we probably, you probably touched on it a little bit, but I just kind of want to be a little bit more more specific here.
1: I think the most important thing, and I know this seems like something that everybody thinks is a given, but you would be surprised how much people do not know their own business and their own message and what it is that, that they're doing. They don't, they, they know, oh, I've got this great product that um, I think is better than the next one. Well. First and foremost, you have to understand why what you do is better, different, stronger, faster, you know, can lift tall buildings or whatever. You have to understand that because without that, you will never, ever, ever be able to convey that to somebody else. So first and foremost, before you even start on a marketing plan, make sure you you know your own story and what it is that's important to you as to what because quite frankly if you're if you what is important to you um, is not part of your business then your business really isn't that important to you and then you can't represent personally represent that or have employees representing that if you don't really believe in in your own story and your own background and then the second component of that is consistency when you have your message when you have you understand your brand you be consistent with it. Don't put your brand out there in the in the open air in places where it's not going to put the message you want. Whether it's the wrong, um, you know, the wrong type of, of 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 marketplace. But whatever you do, even if you were to to um, go to a NASCAR event and and with fine jewelry. If you're going to do something like that, make sure that you, when you do an event like that, that's completely the opposite of what it is that you're putting out there, that you still have a way to get your specific message across to people. So consistency is really important. And then the, I guess the third part of it is persistence. Just you have to be willing to keep trying things and you have to be willing to fail. Because if you just keep trying to hone a marketing plan that, you know, it's going to be perfect, it's going to get you out there, well, it may not work because you don't have control over all of the different factors that are out there. So you have to be persistent and you have to be willing to keep trying, failing, trying, failing. And if you start out small when you're a small business and doing what it is that you can afford to do and are able to do at the moment, if it fails, you're not chalking up a big loss. If you put all your money and you save your pennies and you go and put together a marketing plan that, that requires a huge monetary investment and it flops. you are that much further behind.
0: Right. I love it. All right, so I got one last question to you because it's a question I ask everybody as we wrap up our calls. If there is one piece of action that you would recommend for everybody listening to this, what would that be?
1: I think from my perspective, having been doing this that long is um, to give yourself a breath of fresh air, come up with the wildest, craziest ideas you can possibly think of and just write them all down and and because like I said, if it's not going to be fun for you, if it's not going to be something that you can that you can put your message out there that's not going to be. Um, a huge investment of your soul you're more apt to stick with it you're more apt to um, come up with something else creativity builds creativity one of the blessings i have with this business is i constantly have to be creative and the more you exercise that muscle the more you're going to be able to do that So when you infuse in whatever you're able to do, as much creativity and fun and lightheartedness as you can, as you're able to, keeping in mind consistency, message, persistence, you will build a muscle that will help you continually grow and change and evolve with the marketplace. Because when you see changes that are happening around you and you have built yourself um, a, a creative muscle, you can look at something that happens that would be a setback to somebody else and see an opportunity there.
0: Awesome. Love it. All right, Deborah. So thank you so much for joining us. This was some really cool stuff. I think that your insights from, from the fashion industry and what you've done to to simplify things down because it's great. You know, everything that we talked about today, these are all the same principles that apply no matter what type of industry, what type of business you've got. And so many people, we started this out with people say, "Well, bum, bum, my business is different." Well, it doesn't get much different than the fashion industry. It's your no. product and service is very different than anything else that's out there, but it's super, super competitive, and you found things that work, and those principles still apply no matter what type of industry you've got.
1: even insurance. Even as boring boring as something like that.
0: Exactly. So thank you so much for joining us. Now, where can people get a hold of you when they want to reach out to you?
1: Well, they can can email us at showroominternational at gmail.com. Um, they can go to our website, bellaspreed.net or showroominternational.com. There's contact forms on there. I'll be happy. You know, Even if it's not related to fashion, if somebody's listening to this podcast and wants to ask me about something that I've, I've mentioned here, I'm happy to respond to that. So they can go to the contact forms or showroominternational at gmail.com. is a simple, easy email address to remember.
0: Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thank and- you. Of course, from for me to you, if there's anything that I can do to help you reach out, let me know. I'm always here to support you.
1: Oh, great. Thanks so much.
0: All right. and Everybody get out there. Have an amazing Rockstar Week. As always, this is Eli Delaney, and we will see you on the next episode. Take care. Bye. Hey there. This is Eli again, and I got a question for you. Do you have a roadmap for marketing your business? If you're consistently looking for new marketing ideas just to keep your business going, then you need to check out smallbusinessmarketingroadmap.com and download the free special report that I created to help you create a marketing plan that will thrive in any economy. Again, that's smallbusinessmarketingroadmap.com. Go get it, read it, and start the road trip of your lifetime. See you on the other side.